Welcome to the Come Follow Me For You and Me podcast, a weekly podcast following the Come Follow Me lessons from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm your host, Ashley Lottanon-Singchen. I'm excited to learn and grow with you as we all learn more about following the Savior. Thanks for being here. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Come Follow Me For You and Me podcast. This is episode six, and it covers Alma chapter chapters 32 through 35, and it's titled, Plant This Word in Your Hearts. And I feel like I have to apologize that this is coming out so late. I was in a good routine for a few episodes there to get it out on Sunday evening, and then the last two weeks have happened. I, I don't know if I kind of shared some stuff last week. We are at this kind of awkward transition time in our life right now. We are moving to Texas, but not until August, but our lease ended up, ended at our place where we've been living in New York. So we're currently living with my in-laws and so just trying to navigate finding a space and time to record where I'm not around and bothering other people has been a little bit tricky. And then it just seems like, you know, when life gets crazy, I mean, like I said, we're about to move. We're also about to have a baby. Um, so preparations for both of those things has seemed to just taken over. And work has been crazy as I'm preparing to go on maternity leave. So I find myself now on a Tuesday night and I'm blocked up in our room where we've been staying and trying to hopefully not talk too loud so that my son in the other room doesn't hear while he's sleeping. So it's just... I know those are all just excuses, but it's just been a crazy couple weeks, so I apologize. This is coming out kind of later, but maybe people didn't notice. <laughs> I don't know. So, but this could be maybe a wi- a midweek boost for for you when you listen. So, um, this I feel like that this set of chapters were some chapters that I have been both most excited about when it comes to the podcast and sharing thoughts and. Um, I just think these are just wonderful sets of chapters in the Book of Mormon, and it's just such a great, great, great lesson, and um, I guess lessons, not just lesson, and I apologize if this one might be longer. There's just so much packed into this. I feel like I don't know how to to consolidate everything all the time, but if you need to take breaks during this episode, that's totally fine with me, but let's just get started then with the introduction in the manual. It says... For the Zoramites, this is who we learned about last week, prayer was a self-centered, routine practice that happened only once a week. It consisted of standing where all could see and repeating vain, self-satisfied words. Perhaps worse, the Zoramites lacked faith in Jesus Christ, even denied his existence, and persecuted the poor. By contrast, though, Alma and Amalek boldly taught that prayer has more to do with what happens in our hearts than on a, pub- a public platform. And if it doesn't lead to compassion towards those in need, it is vain and availeth nothing. I really liked those two sentences. How, especially that last one, if, it, if, our, if prayer doesn't lead to compassion towards those in need, it is vain and availeth nothing. Um, and I, I, as I read that, I'm wondering, do my prayers do that? Do they lead to compassion towards others? That's something that I'm going to try to be a little bit more aware of in the future. I think that's a really great reminder. But it goes on to say, most important, it is an expression of faith in Jesus Christ, who offers redemption through his infinite and eternal sacrifice. And I, I don't think I've thought about that, that prayer is an expression of faith in Jesus Christ. But you know, when it says that, it makes sense that it is. It's, I mean, I guess why do we pray if we don't think that someone will listen? Or we pray because we hope that someone listens, right? Which reminds me kind of of this story that my husband told me today. And so my sister Michelle listens to this and she, her family recently got some guinea pigs that her sons have been taking care of. I mean, whole family got them, but it's, they're her son's responsibilities. And uh, my sister messaged us today that one of their guinea pigs got bit by one of the other. So they have three. And one of the guinea pigs got bit by another guinea pig. And the other day she noticed that there was a bump on this guinea pig's head. 
and they took it to the vet and they found out it was infected. It was an infection from a bite from one of the other, from one of the other guinea pigs, which was really sad. But I was telling Mike, my husband, that this story today, and he was talking about when he was a young, younger kid, I think in elementary school, he said that his family got him and his brother, um, gerbils. And he was said he was really young, not he couldn't quite remember, but really, really young. And he had the idea to give one of the gerbils a lemon or lemon juice. I can't remember if it was like an actual lemon or if he wanted to give them the gerbil lemon juice, but either way he gave one of the gerbils some lemon and the gerbil ended up dying. And he said he felt so bad. And even now he, there's moments he like has the memories of that experience and he has these like pains like this little guilt about that experience but he said he was such a young kid he didn't know what was right what was wrong but he said at that time that he remembers that was one of the first times that he remembers um wanting to connect with a higher power to say he was sorry for what he had done and if you've listened to any of the past episodes my husband didn't join the church till he was 17 and grew up as a buddhist and so he said that at that time he, he prayed like, you know, God or Jesus Christ or Buddha, whoever, whoever is up there that's listening. I'm so sorry that I, that I accidentally killed my gerbil. And he said he just felt so bad. And it was just interesting. He was talking that even after that, until he joined the, found the church and joined the church, he found himself many times in life turning towards something. He, he knew that there was some higher power. He just at that point didn't know what it was, but that was how he expressed his faith is that he knew that someone could help him to feel better when things are really hard. So that was kind of an interesting, kind of a cute and sad and sweet and little story of a little kid that was struggling with something that they did wrong when they didn't realize it. And, but I just, I love that, that sign or that sentence that that prayer is an expression of our faith in Jesus Christ. And sometimes it can be hard to pray if life feels hard or we're tired. And I think that's a good reminder that, you know, if we just, that's one way that we can express our faith in him. So, um, but going on in the manual, it says such faith, Alma explained is born of humility and a desire to believe. And it says it grows gradually like a tree and requires constant nourishment and then it kind of gives an invitation in the last couple of lines of the introduction that says, as you read Alma chapters 32 through 35, you might consider your own faith and prayers. Do you ever feel any Zoramite-like Zora attitudes creeping in? And I feel like when I read that, I was like, yes, oh my word, I do. And I feel so frustrated, but I do. I feel like there's times where I'm just, I go to bed and I'm, really tired and I just say the same thing because it's I'm it's just I'm in this habit of doing that so that was a good reminder to not do that but the last question is how will you nourish your faith in Jesus Christ so it will become a tree springing up into everlasting life great great questions I feel like this is a really great intro with really great questions and I'm excited to dive deeper into this lesson so I'm not going to talk more about in this right now about how to nourish the seed like it, like this Alma 32 analogy or parable does because that we'll talk about that later. But just wanted to leave you guys with some questions there to think about. Um, has it mentioned, do you ever feel like Zora might like attitudes creeping in? And if you do, how can we change that? And also with this final question is how will you nourish your faith in Jesus Christ so it will become a tree springing up into everlasting life. So lots of great things to think about there. Okay, so the first section in this that the manual um, gives us to think about is covers Alma chapter 32 verses 1 through 16. And it's called, I can choose to be humble. So I also have to just apologize really quick if I hope you can't hear our cats. I feel like the, the cats always cause issues when recording, but 
I have this door propped open in a room because earlier when I was trying to finish preparing for the podcast, I had the door closed and when it was closed, a cat would scratch on the door to be let into the room. So I'd get up, I'd go let the cat in, and then two seconds later, the cat was at the door wanting to leave the room. And I feel like I did that a bazillion times, and I'm sitting on this bed, and I'm nine months pregnant, and moving around like that is just, like, not super easy. So I found it really frustrating for a moment there. I'm like, oh my goodness, you guys, just, like, I feel like all day, they just want to lay by themselves and do their own thing. It's just when I close the door, all of a sudden, I have to be the center of attention for them. And so hopefully, they're not making too much ruckus in the background. If they are, I really, really apologize. But... Back to this topic of how I can choose to be humble. The um, the manual starts here by saying, Alma perceived that the poor Zoramites were humble and in a preparation to hear the word of God. And wanted to read a few verses from the chapter, verses 4 through 6, to kind of give a background on that. So it says, Now as Alma was teaching and speaking unto the people upon the, upon the hill Oneida, there came a great multitude unto him, who were those of whom we have been speaking, of whom were poor in heart, because of their poverty to the things of the world, as to the things of the world. And they came unto Alma, and the one who was the foremost among them said unto, said unto him, Behold, what shall these my brethren do? For they are despised of all men because of their poverty, yea, and more especially by our priest. For they have cast us out of our synagogues, which we have labored abundantly to build, build with our own hands. And they have cast us out because of our exceeding poverty, and we have no place to worship our God. And behold, what shall we do? And now when Alma heard this, he turned him about, his face immediately towards him, and he beheld with great joy. For he beheld that their afflictions had truly humbled them, and they were in a preparation to hear the word of God. I don't know if you guys have watched the Book of Mormon videos and new ones that the church is coming out with with um that covers this scene but it was great I thought it was I, I would totally recommend all of them but I feel like I really loved this section that talked this the video that, that covered Alma 32 it's a it's just a, a neat de- visual depiction of this scene that we're talking about but um, verse six there, where it says that Alma beheld that these people, like the poor Zoramites, that their afflictions had truly humbled them and that they were in a preparation to hear the word. It reminded me from the first episode that I recorded, I had some insights that the Ithaca missionaries shared. And I feel like both the elders and sisters mentioned when I asked what it's been like to share the gospel during the pandemic, they mentioned that people... Because of all that's been going on, people were seeming to be more open to learn about the gospel. And so I thought that was an interesting correlation or interesting um, real life example. Not that this wasn't real life, but just a nowadays example. And I, I mean, I know it's not just for people who aren't members of the church currently for these current circumstances have humbled them. I feel like these current circle circumstances make me... Pr- I feel like I'm constantly praying, like, for peace and, like, can you just provide a huge miracle for this world? Like, we need a miracle. So I feel like that that's happening now in this world, in the world because of all that's happening. Um, so going on, the manual says, as you read Alma chapter 32, verses 1 through 16, think about how you prepare to hear the word of God. Um, so I, when I first read that, it made me think about when I was on my mission... Our mission president gave us a challenge around every for every general conference that he had us write down a list of questions that we had, whether it was in regards to investigators that we were teaching or whether it was a gospel question that we had or maybe we needed to make a decision or whatever it was. He told us to make a list of all of these questions or concerns that we had and then pray about it and or pray and ask Heavenly Father to help us to... F- receive answers through general general conference and that's something I've tried to do since since my mission and something that we did a lot as missionaries around conference time is that we would encourage members to do that so that was the first thing I thought about is a way that we can prepare to hear the word of God but 
obviously general conference doesn't happen every day. It's, you know, twice a year. So, you know, what are some things that we can do in everyday life? And I think that is something we can do. I don't think that having a list of questions is the only time, I mean, around general conference is the only time that we can have a list of questions that we need answers to. I think that that can be a daily practice, you know, when we go to read our scriptures, maybe have that written out somewhere that we can see. And so that we, um, and we just, when we go to read or we say a prayer, these are my questions. Can you please help answer these questions as I, as I read today? So, um, my husband and I came up with some ideas of some other things of how we can prepare to hear the word of God and kind of what I was just mentioning with these list of questions is to go into scripture study with a question. And I honestly don't do this very often when it comes to my everyday scripture study. I think I just usually go into it just to read. And I hope that I feel the spirit and hopefully something sticks out to me as I read. So as I'm saying this right now, I'm, I'm reminding myself that this is, I I need to do this more. Uh, I need to, come to my scripture studies with questions and then pray to, for guidance to receive answers. Um, and then kind of interesting, but recently Mike and I, or I don't know if it's recently, but when we've, we have set, since we've been together, we realized that we had the same mission prep teacher at BYU, Idaho, just years apart from each other. So it was kind of a fun little connection, but we both had this mission prep teacher who said to begin every scripture study with a prayer, which I guess maybe as I say that might sound kind of like, Oh, duh. Like that's what you should do. But I, I know it's for me, it's not always, sometimes I, I feel like this is lately what I've done. Like I I feel like at the end of the day, I'm so tired. I'm like, Oh, I didn't read my scriptures. So I, I just think, I'm going to lay in bed because I just want to be comfortable when I read my scriptures. And I, I just like laying in bed would be so comfortable. And so I start doing that and I start reading my scriptures and I fall asleep like two seconds later. But I don't usually start with a prayer. So as I'm sharing all this, I'm just finding myself being reminded of things I should be doing. So maybe the, which is the point of doing this. But um, my husband said that something he tries to do to be in preparation to hear the word of God throughout the day is that he wants to start his day off right with a prayer and scripture study. And he's always been such a great example to me of this. I feel like the first thing he does every morning is he says his prayers and he's always says his, read the scriptures first thing every morning. So he's just been such a great example to me. Um, but that's what he does. And then another thing I thought about was, um, in the preparation to hear the word of God is be mindful of what we allow to influence us. And I was just thinking in my mind, like, what are we consuming? And when it comes to what we read or what we listen to, and I know that like when I, when I am being mindful of the things I'm consuming when it comes to the media, that I feel myself more open to hear the word of God. And when I'm not, then I find it more difficult. And I feel like this past week, for some reason, has been really difficult for me in this way. I think I say that every week, but I don't know, just felt harder this past week. And I think that there's just so much going on in the world. And I, I don't think I know there is so much going on and I find myself wanting to make sure that I'm informed and that I know what's going on. Um, but it's just so hard, you know, and I've just found myself constantly checking the news or checking things to see like, you know, what's happened and, but it's not uplifting most of the time. It's just so, there's just so many hard things going on right now. And I've just found myself feeling not super open to hearing the word of God. And so I think this is a this is something I keep thinking about every day. I'm like, I just need to really make sure I'm mindful of what I'm bringing into my life when it comes to the, to the media and all that. So, um, but so kind of moving on from there, the manual talks about ask asks us the question to reflect on what experiences have humbled you is what it says. So, um, the Zoramites were, they were compelled to be hum- humble because they were cast out of their synagogues. And we know that Alma says, you know, that you're blessed for doing that, but you're more blessed if you choose to be humble, not that you 
are compelled to be humble. Um, so I was, I was thinking about the question of what experiences have humbled me. And I know that there's lots and, but I just feel like one in particular I, I wanted to share. And I think I've, I've shared this in the past that my mission was, I felt like it was a difficult experience. There was lots of things that were hard and I feel like, I don't know if I've like shared exactly. I mean, I, th- I think I've shared a couple things. Like I felt like I struggled with like mental health issues with depression and anxiety. So that was really difficult. But I feel like that was also the first time that I had ever had my testimony questioned. I you know, grew up in Wyoming in a really small town and then went to BYU-Idaho, which everyone believed the same way I believed. It wasn't until I was on my mission that all of a sudden people were questioning what I believed. And I thought that I had a strong testimony but I found myself struggling at times because I feel like every piece of anti that was out there, people were bringing up and it was really hard to not be impacted by it. I feel like, um, by hearing this stuff. And I, I even had a companion at times that said, we should probably read some anti-material so that we know how to respond to these people, which thankfully we did not do, but it just was, oh, it was so hard, you know? So I found myself just really struggling and I was ashamed at times to talk to people like, yeah, I'm, I'm struggling with my testimony. I don't know if I, like, I'm, I'm just, this is really hard. And I, other things I struggled with, you know, when it came to anxiety, I thought that's when you struggle with anxiety, it's hard to articulate how you're really feeling. So it's not very easy to tell someone exactly how you're feeling. So I feel like that I was, I feel like I was compelled to be humble or I was humbled big time in this way that I found myself on my knees all the time. I felt like just because I feel like Heavenly Father was the only person who knew exactly how I felt. And my, it was interesting. My, at the beginning of my mission, my mom bought me like a decorative pillow that you would you know put on your couch or something. I, I think it said, give thanks. And it was around Thanksgiving time, which was like shortly after I entered the, the mission field. And I decided to use it as a, like I would kneel on that when I prayed each night by my bed and by the end of my mission, it, it was a normal size pillow, one that you, I, I think hopefully you can, you know, imagine what I'm, how I'm describing it. But by the end of my mission, it was so flat. Like it was so easy to pack into my missionary, my suitcase, because I had spent so much time on my knees that I had like completely flattened it like a pancake because I just knew the Heavenly Father was the only person that could help me at that time. And it was he was the only source of strength too, that I felt like I had, um, I mean, outside like other gospel things that bring strength, like reading scriptures, but I just felt like he was the only person that could give me the strength that I was needing. So that was a moment that I felt like I, I really, that really humbled me that, that really just made me like fall to my knees needing help. And I feel like I wish I was still like that. I just, I know it was at that time because I didn't have anyone else I could feel like I could talk to, then I got home from my mission and I could call my mom, which is usually the person I would go to when I was struggling. And, um, so just interesting, you know, different life experiences humble us. So, but that's one thing that I felt like an experience that humbled me, but the, the manual asks, what have you, or what have you done to become more humble? And I like this question and I didn't really feel like I knew exactly what to say specifically, but I did look in the gospel topics under the word humility, and I feel like it had some great ideas that I wanted to share. And in the gospel topics, it says, to be humble is to recognize our dependence on the Lord, to understand that we have constant need for his support. Humility is an acknowledgement that our talents and abilities are gifts from God. And then another section in the gospel topics about humility, it says that during his mortal ministry, he all let's talk about Jesus Christ, how he's a greatest example of humility. It says during his mortal ministry, he always acknowledged that his strength came because of his dependence on his father. Which I think is a really powerful thought. And that's where our strength comes from too, is our dependence on our heavenly father. And in the gospel topics, it had some different video clips of prophets and apostles speaking about humility. And there's one by President Hinckley that I really loved, and I'm just going to paraphrase some of the things that he said in it. But um, he said some stuff along the lines that uh, ways that we can be humble is we can esteem others as ourselves and lift them up. 
We can also receive counsel and chastisement. We can forgive those who offend us. We can serve others. We can get to the temple. We can be more humbled by repenting. And we can love God and submit our will to his and put him first in our lives. Which I thought were really great thoughts about how we can become more humble. So I thought that's a great, such a great section. And hopefully you have some ideas of maybe ways that you can prepare to hear the word of God. And maybe reflect on some examples in your life that have humbled you. And and then also think about ways that are things that you can do to become more humble. So that concludes this section. All right. So section two of this lesson covers Alma chapters, Alma chapter 32. Um, and it's titled, I can exercise or I exercise faith in Jesus Christ by planting and nourishing his word in my heart. So the great analogy of the seed of faith is, I'm excited for this one. So hopefully you can feel the spirit as I share some thoughts that I learned from this, but the manual says, what do you think, or why do you think Alma spoke about planting a seed in response to the Zormites question about worship? which I thought was a good question. Um, I have a couple different thoughts about it and I don't, obviously there's just my thoughts. So I'd be interested if anybody else actually knows like for real why he did, but these are two thoughts I had is one, I wonder if planting a seed in this day and at this time was familiar to the Zoramites and which is why Alma used it as an analogy. And it made me think about when Jesus Christ would give parables, he would do things often, or he would give analogies in to things that they, the people were familiar with. So I wonder if this, this time it was easy for the people to imagine also in their mind of what it was like, you know, planting a seed. So it's, I guess, a great visual because they could visually think about a seed being planted and then what happens when the seed is nourished. So um, that's one thought I want of maybe why he spoke about planting a seed. And then the other one is it also, it makes me wonder because he was trying to demonstrate just how we can exercise our faith in small ways and they can have a great impact. And these, these Zoramites were accustomed to seeing or participating in worship that was done in public in really big showy ways like we learned about in Alma chapter 31 with the Ramiumpton. And so maybe in their mind, that was the way they exercised faith was in these great grand ways. And he wanted to teach them that actually it can be done in very small ways. It doesn't have to be like that. So I'm um, going back to what I was mentioning earlier about the Book of Mormon videos. I really liked when Alma in the video that I guess like I said it just it's helpful I think to visualize it too and to see to see this section come to life. But Alma when he starts talking to them about exercising their faith in small ways, I feel like the way he does it is it's really it's was powerful to me that I've I've thought about it since I watched it, but he when he was talking about just exercising a particle of faith, hopefully you can like visually see this as I explain it, but you know, when you're trying to explain something that's really small and you put your fingers together and you say, you know, it's just this big or it's really small. Um, that's, that was like the motion that he did when he explained it. He said, if you can just exercise a particle of faith, you know, just like something so small, you know, then what, what would, could be a great result of that. So I, I, I just, I love that. I, I just, I wonder if maybe that's it. He just wanted to help them to understand that it doesn't have to be big in big, big ways. It can be small. So I wanted to read a couple of verses from Alma chapter 32 and verses 26 through 27. It says, now, as I said, concerning faith, that it was not a perfect knowledge. Even so it is with my words, ye cannot know of their surety at first unto perfection any more than faith is a perfect knowledge. But behold, if you will awake and arouse your faculties, even to an experiment upon my words, and exercise a particle of faith, which is, that's the part I was talking about when he was, 
you know, demonstrate with his finger, if you could just exercise a particle of faith, yet even if you can no more than desire to believe, let this desire work in you, even until you believe in a manner that you can give place for a portion of my words. And I also loved in the video, you could hear in his voice when he was talking to them, it was like, just, it was like, almost like he was pleading, like, can you just, just try, just try to exercise a particle of faith. Like, it doesn't have to be anything big, just try. Um, I thought it was a really, a great depiction of that. So I would encourage you to watch that. I think that's my third time saying that, but it's just really great. So, um, the, in the manual, it, they reference a talk by Elder Anderson titled Faith is, is Not by Chance, but by Choice. Because later on, I guess here, let me just try and quickly read a verse, verse tw- um, 28 in Alma 32. But it says, now we will compare the word unto a seed. Now, if you will give place that a seed may be planted in your heart, behold, if it be a true seed or a good seed, if you do not cast it out by your unbelief, that you will resist the spirit of the Lord, behold, it will begin to swell within your breast. And when you feel these soul emotions, you will begin to say within yourselves, it must needs be that this is a good seed or that the word is a good, is good for it beginneth to enlarge my soul. Yea, it begins to enlighten my understanding. Yea, it begins to be delicious to me. And they go on to verse 36. It says, behold, I say unto you, nay, neither must ye lay aside your faith. For ye have only exercised your faith to plant the seed, that ye might try the experiment to know that if the seed was good. And behold, as a tree beginneth to grow, ye will say, Let us nourish it with great care, that it may get root, that it may grow up and bring forth fruit unto us. And now behold, if you nourish it with much care, it will get root and grow up and bring forth fruit. And going on later, um, it talks about that if you neglect it, and take no thought for the nourishment, then it will not grow, but it will wither up away and we'll pluck it up and it'll cast out. So going back to that talk that I was referring to by Elder Anderson, I wanted to kind of go off on that thought a little bit about us taking the opportunity to nourish it or not our faith and what happens if we do or if we don't. And I wanted to share some thoughts from Elder Anderson's talk. I love what those few scriptures I read and what this talk teaches us about faith. Um, So Elder Anderson says, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is not something ethereal. Hopefully that's how you say that. Um, Floating loosely in the air. Faith does not fall upon us by chance or stay with us by birthright. It is, as the scriptures say, substance, the evidence of things not seen. Faith emits a spiritual light, and that light is discernible. Faith in Jesus Christ is a gift from heaven that comes as we choose to believe, and as we seek to, as we seek it and hold on to it. Your faith is either getting stronger or becoming weaker. And I feel like those last two lines, I feel like really stood out to me, that one, faith is, faith in Jesus Christ is a gift from heaven. But it's a gift as we choose to believe and as we seek it and hold on to it. Um, so we have to do something in order to receive that that gift from Heavenly Father. And it's either growing stronger or becoming weaker. And he goes on to say, Faith is a principle of power, important not only in this life, but also in our progression beyond the veil. By the grace of Christ, we will one day be saved through faith in his name. The future of your faith is not by chance, but by choice. And he says, how we live our lives increases or diminishes our faith. Prayer, obedience, honesty, purity of thought and deed, and unselfishness increase faith. Without these, faith diminishes. I always love, I guess, kind of getting a list of something of what, this is what would help you to have more faith. I think that was a great list that he just shared that we need to have we need to be praying, we need to be obedient, to be honest and have pure heart and pure thoughts and deeds and be unselfishness, that all these things increase our faith. So I guess that's a good self-reflection as well, is that are these things part of my life? Because if they aren't, he says, the faith diminishes. I think I'm the only, I'm not the only one that can find that to be true in our life, that if there's times there's probably been times when you have done better at having those virtues 
than other times and that it does indirectly impact your faith. Um, and he goes on to say that immersing oneself in persistent doubt, fueled by answers from the faithless and unfaithful, weakens one's faith in Jesus Christ and the restoration. And that kind of makes me think back on what I, I shared earlier about my mission that I felt that we were exposed to so much anti and I had a companion that wanted to talk about it. And I feel like that was a really difficult time. So um, to fight that, I really tried to immerse myself in the scriptures. So I mentioned earlier already a little bit of a list that of things that will enlarge our faith. But he goes on to say, because some other ideas of things that can enlarge our faith, he says, when was the last time that you read the Book of Mormon from cover to cover? Read it again. It will increase your faith. And he also says, another gift from God that enlarges our faith is the guidance of the First Presidency and the Quorum of the Twelve. The guidance of the First Presidency and the Twelve help protect our faith. And I think that's a really important one for us to remember right now, um, especially because I feel like there's, as I've, everyone knows, there's so much going on, but I feel like that the, the prophets and apostles are there to help protect us and keep us safe um, in the last days. So I think that's a really powerful one. And then he goes on to say, although your beginning, your beginning fire of faith may be small, righteous choices bring greater confidence in God and your faith grows. The difficulties of mortality blow against you and evil forces lurk in the darkness, hoping to extinguish your faith. But as you continue to make good choices, trust in God and follow his son, the Lord sends increased light and knowledge, and your faith becomes settled and unwavering. And President Thomas S. Monson said, Fear not, the future is as bright as your faith. So lots of great, great thoughts there from Elder Anderson. And I feel like that this Alma chapter 32 probably could have a, a, its own podcast all together, just diving into all the different principles that are taught there in, um, in that chapter about faith. And I, I, but that's just, I guess, time-wise, I don't have that time unless you want to be here for the next few hours. We could talk about that, but I don't think you do. And at some point I want to go to bed. So, um, so we won't do that, but I, I just would encourage you obviously to read this chapter and find out what sticks to you, sticks out to you. I think that this is what I maybe needed to hear was just reading this talk by Elder Anderson about how our faith is not by chance, but by choice. Um, and that the, the small little daily things that we do is what really impacts our faith. And if I'm ever wondering, you know, why do I feel like my faith is diminishing? Go back to think about these things that can help it to increase and hope, you know, and to be more active in making, doing those small, simple things so that my faith can increase. So yeah, I, that's what I, I feel like that I needed to hear. And hopefully someone else that listens, that's what you needed to hear as well when it comes to this section. So a challenge for all of us at the end of this section is just to find ways to constantly feed our faith every day. And I guess to take those things out of our life that do not feed our faith, but instead may diminish our faith in Jesus Christ. All right, moving on to Alma chapter 33. Um, it, this, this particular section is titled, I can worship God in prayer anytime and anywhere, which I think is a great title. I think that's, that says a lot right there about prayer. But the manual says, Alma and Amulek's counsel about worship and prayer was meant to correct specific mis misunderstandings the Zoramites had. And this is referring to the rote prayer that the Zoramites would pray on top of the Ramiumptim. But it says the truths they taught can help any of us understand prayer and worship better. Maybe you can make a list of truths that you, about prayer that you find in this, um, in these, this chapter as well as Alma chapter 34. So... I made a little list I wanted to share, go, kind of go over about what some things I learned about prayer. And I've always loved, especially the, I'll go into Alma chapter 34 um, in a little bit, but I've always loved the things that are shared in Alma chapter 34 about prayer. So I'm excited to kind of dive into this a little bit more, but some things that we learn about 
from truths we learn about prayer in Alma chapter 33 in verse verses four through seven, it teaches us that God will hear our prayers no matter where we are. And we can pray about anything that is concerning for us. And, um, it says here that in verse four, for he said, thou art merciful, O God, for thou hast heard my prayer. Even when I was in the wilderness, yea, that was merciful when I prayed concerning those who were mine enemies, and thou didst not, thou didst turn them to me. Yea, O God, and thou wast merciful unto me when I did cry unto thee in my field, when I did cry unto thee in my prayer, and thou didst hear me. And again, O God, when I did turn to my house, thou didst hear me in my prayer. And when I did turn unto my closet, O Lord, and prayed unto thee, Thou didst hear me. So I guess another truth about prayer that I was just thinking is that God hears our prayers. I think maybe sometimes it can be hard if we feel like our prayers aren't being answered to know that. But I felt this is that was something that just struck me as I read that is that along with those other truths that we learned is that God does hear our prayers and he does answer our prayers. Um, verse eight in that chapter teaches us that the Lord is merciful when we pray to him to be when we pray to be heard of him and not to be heard of men. And then verses 10 through 11 teaches that the Lord hears us in our trials and in our struggles. Um, and then some things that we can or should pray for. This is what Alma talks about in Alma chapter 34. I've always loved this, this section of things that we can pray for. So, um, verses 17 through 18 this says we're taught that prayer pray that the lord will have mercy upon us and i love the definition of mercy and maybe i've shared this before but it's always good to remember but the definition of mercy is um to, we want to pray that the lord will have compassion or forgiveness shown towards okay let me start over so mercy the definition of mercy is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom is is it is within one's power to punish or harm. And so we pray that the Lord will have that compassion and forgiveness towards us, even though we know that he has the power to punish us. So I think that's a really powerful statement of something to pray for. Um, verse 20 talks about, actually verse 20, 24, and 25, I think kind of all correlate together. And something that I've, I've for some reasons always, I've always loved in this section, but, um, it talks about in verse 20 to, to cry unto him when you are in your fields, yea, over all your flocks. And in 24, it says, cry unto him over the crops of your field that ye may prosper in them. And then 25, cry over the flocks of your fields that they may increase. And I really love these scriptures. To me, it's, you know, praying that the, the Lord will help take care of us and that he'll help us either to find a job or to do well in our job to take care of our families or, you know, whatever. But to me, that's just those shares, those scriptures teach us that the Lord will help us to do well in the, what we need to do in order to take care of our families. It's temporally, really, you know, these are talking about the crops of our field, that they may prosper. So we want them, we want our we want to be successful so that we can take care of each other and we can take care of our family. So I really like that, that reminder. Um, verse 21 says to cry unto him in your houses, yea, over all your household, both morning, midday and evening. So I like that reminder to pray for our families and our household. And then verses 22 through 23 is cry unto him against the power of your enemies. Yea, cry unto him against the devil who was an enemy to all righteousness. And um, verses 26 to 27 says, But this is not all. Ye must pour out your souls in your closets, in your secret places, and in your wilderness. Yea, and when ye do not cry unto the Lord, let your hearts be full, drawn out in prayer unto him continually for your welfare, and also for the welfare of those who are around you. Um, so I like where it says there, you know, pray for ourselves and others that we can, and we can do it at any time or anywhere. And this is very much against what the Zoramites believed and how they lived at this point. They, you know, before they was, it was all about themselves and it wasn't 
it was you know, very public, like I, we had talked about before. But um, going on to verses 28 through 29, 28 says, And now, behold, my beloved brethren, I say unto you, do not suppose that this is all. For after ye have done all these things, if ye turn away the needy and the naked, and visit not the sick and afflicted, and in part of your substance, if you have, if you have, to those who stand in need, I say unto you, if you do not do any of these things, behold, your prayer is vain, and availeth you nothing, and ye are as hypocrites who do deny the faith. Therefore, if you do not remember to be charitable, you are dross, which is which the refiners do cast out, it being of no worth, and it and is trodden under foot of men. And verse twenty nine struck me. Because if we read in Alma chapter 32 that the poor Zormites were cast out of their synagogues because they were esteemed as filthy people and others thought that they were dross, which that word dross means something regarded as worthless or garbage. And I thought this definition is so sad to me that um, this is what people thought about them. This is how they were viewed. They were viewed as worthless or garbage. Can you imagine? Of course they were poor in spirit. If that's how people feel about you, that makes you make you feel terrible. But the people thought that they were worthless because of their poverty. But in Alma chapter 34, verse 29, Amulek teaches the people that if they do not remember the, to be charitable, then they are dross. Dross, maybe that's how you say it. Which means something regarded as worthless or garbage. So if we're not charitable then we're worthless, which is still a little bit, Ooh, that's kind of harsh. So, but I just thought that was an interesting correlation that, that they believed that they were worthless because they had no money. And Amulek taught them that's not the case. You're not worthless because you have no money. You're worthless if you're not charitable. So that was an interesting, interesting realization and some great reminder that we need to be charitable. Otherwise, we that's what we are. We don't want to be like that. So um, I thought that was a really great reminder. So I really love the cha- this chapter. Again, so many great things about prayer. So I would just encourage you to go, you know, as you read this, these sections about prayer, um, to, rem- to remember that you can worship God in prayer anytime or anywhere. And I, this kind of, as I was just thinking about this, it reminded me, um, the first time I ever went to Thailand, it was such a culture shock and I really, really struggled the first like two days that I was there the very first time. And I remember the first night we got there, um, there was a group of us that came in together and we got this little hotel that was close to the airport that we, um, that we flew into and we just stayed there that one night. And then we took this little, they're called a song tau, And it's just this, anybody who's ever been to Asia is maybe written on them. But we took one for like three hours up all these crazy hills into the middle of nowhere. So I remember, I remember just thinking when I was flying there, you know, if you, when you're on international flights, you can watch your flight progress. I remember when we left America, just watching how, how far away from home and anything familiar that plane was getting. And I just started feeling so claustrophobic and so scared. It was like a feeling I had not experienced before. It was just, oh, it was like, it was so scary. And then getting there and if anybody's been to Asia, you know, it just smells different than America. You know, they, there's just different smells because of food or, you know, whatever. And so the smells were weird. We stayed in this, like I said, this hotel, which to American standards was not anything special. It probably would be like a one star in American standards. Um, and there was like spiders and lizards in the showers and it was so hot. We got there in June and it's like, from what I was here, people told me in Thailand that Thailand has like two temperatures, either hot or extremely hot. And we were there at the extremely hot time. And so it was so hot and I could just, I could hear, we had like, have, we had fans on to help us cool down and had the windows open and I could hear just different noises I had or I wasn't familiar to hearing like just different animals that were like right by the hotel. So it was just, oh, it was so, it was just scary. And I remember it was like in the middle of the night, just 
you know, just praying, like I just needed help. And I felt so strongly that I was supposed to go to Thailand. And so it just really, I struggled to why, to know why I was struggling so much being there when I felt so strongly I was supposed to be there. And, um, for a couple days, just like really praying for help. And one night before we were supposed to get started on our humanitarian projects the next morning, I just said, Holy Father, I know I'm supposed to be here and I cannot, I was, I was there for two months and I said, I cannot handle being here for two months feeling like this. So please just take these feelings away from me. And I went to bed that night and I woke up the next morning and those feelings, they were taken away from me. Like I felt so much better and I felt so much peace. And there was moments that I would think about when if I if when I'd go back to think about just how far away from home I was and if anything was to happen that how hard it would be to get back to the United States because of how far away we were and whenever those feelings would come in I would just have to go back and think about that moment that I had prayed to have these feelings taken away and that they were taken away and that brought me a lot of peace when I would think about that so I just think it's a great reminder and thankfully we don't have those Zoramite beliefs that we can only pray once on like on Sunday and then that's it. Um, I'm just so grateful that we know that we can pray at any time, at any place, at anywhere about anything that, that we need help with. So I hope you guys all remember that too. So I'm going to do the last two sections in one um, section here. I, I Maybe you're noticing I'm trying to like split up the sections and have like an interlude music in between just to kind of give a natural like, okay, now we're moving on. But there was, I feel like just one little section that didn't need a ton of thought or no, no, that thought's not the right word, but didn't need a ton of explanation. So I'm going to combine these last two as we conclude today. But the first one was who were Zenus and Zenic, and the manual gives a great little thought here that I feel like it was important to share. So, excuse me, it says Zenus and Zenic were prophets who testified of Jesus Christ during Old Testament times, but their teachings are not found in the Old Testament. The Nephites had access to the teachings of these prophets probably because they were included in the brass plates that Nephi obtained from Laban. So interesting that there's just you know we know that there's we don't have all the scriptures that are out there that the heavenly father and jesus christ have commanded prophets to write down so that will be something that will be interesting to get someday so all right so now we're gonna move into the last section of the manual which covers alma chapter 34 going continuing that towards the end and verses 30 through 41 and it's titled this is the time this life is the time to prepare to meet god which I think is a really familiar statement in the church. I feel like that we hear that a lot. And so this is a good reminder of where that comes from. But the manual says, as you read Alma chapter 34, verses 30 through 41, consider how you might improve your time while in this life. How can you, how can repentance and patience help you prepare to meet God? And are there changes you need to make that you have been procrastinating? Be sure to act on any spiritual impressions you receive. So lots of really, really great questions there. So I like this section because I think it was something I needed to hear too about improving my time, my time here on earth. But I like that, um, I like that, I like to know like the definition of words, like I've mentioned a bazillion times, but I like what the word improve means, which is to make or become better. So, you know, how are we going to make or get, become better while we're here make her, yeah, make her become better while we're here on, here on earth. And I just, I, I feel like I've, I've, I think I mentioned it in maybe the last podcast. I am a big fan of like personal development stuff. I like to learn about it and to try to implement some things in my life that, you know, that can help me to personally grow and develop into a bit, into a better person. So I just need to put those things into practice. I think I remember an advisor of mine in college said, she said this about herself. She said, I'm a very thoughtful person. I just don't always follow through on all my thoughtfulness. And I, I like that because I feel like I find myself feeling that way with this situation that I've, 
I get lots of really great ideas. So I think a lot. I have a lot of thoughtful ideas of how I can become better, but I don't always have the best follow through. So I think this is a great reminder to me and hopefully to others about just how important it is that we actually do use our time wisely here on earth. So in Alma chapter 34, verse 33, it says, and now, as I said unto you before, as you have had so many witnesses, therefore, I beseech of you, which I like the, what, to, I like what the word beseech means, which means to ask someone urgently and fervently to do something or to implore or to entreat. So he's, in, he's asking us urgently to do this, that I beseech of you that you do not procrastinate the day of your repentance until the end. For after this day of life, which is given us to prepare for eternity, behold, if we do not improve our time while in this life, then cometh the night of darkness, wherein there can be no labor performed. That's a pretty sobering thought that, you know, this is it. This is our one chance to to um, do what's right. And he's imploring us like, and urgently telling us, please do not procrastinate the day of repentance. Please don't do that. Do it now while you have time to do it. So it's great stuff. The scriptures are just so great and I think encouraging us to be better. But I feel like it can... I think I just, I just needed this. I feel every, I feel like every lesson each week is something I needed to hear. So, but I feel like it can be so easy for me and maybe not just for me to get caught up in the idea that all that matters in life is what's happening right now. It can be so easy to forget at times that there's some, there's a much grander picture. It's a much grander scheme. There's a much, there's a lot of other great, there's, there's more to this life, I guess, than what is currently happening because it can feel like that at times that this is all that matters or this is such a big deal, you know, but there's in this eternal realm, eternal view of things, it's not that case. And so I think it. this is, I just feel so grateful for the scriptures that give us, give me these reminders and give us these reminders that that is not the case that there is more to life than just this. There's more to life than social media or what people are doing on that or what people are selling. And if I should try to also buy that so I can be like other people, you know, there's so much more to life than that. Um, and the, the manual references a talk that I really liked. I remember hearing it. I remember really liking it when I heard it. And I, if I remember right, there was a a come follow me lesson last year when we were studying the new Testament that was titled this, what like I yet. And maybe it was based off of this talk too. I can't quite remember, but yeah. So the talk is titled what lack I yet by elder Lori, Larry R. Lawrence. And I loved this talk and I wanted to share some thoughts that he shared from this and kind of give some, in, some thoughts as along the way. But so he says, the journey of discipleship is not an easy one. It has been called a course of steady improvement. As we travel along that straight and narrow path, the spirit continually challenges us to be better and to climb higher. Um, so just going to pause for a second. As you heard that, or as you listened to that, can you think of things that the spirit has challenged you to do better or ways that the spirit has asked you to climb higher? So think about that. I know I can think of a lot of things that the Spirit has taught me of how I can do better and climb higher. Um, he goes on to say, Elder Lawrence, the Holy Ghost makes an ideal traveling companion. If we are humble and teachable, he will take us by the hand and lead us home, which is such a cool image. However, we need to ask the Lord for directions along the way. We have to ask some difficult questions like, what do I need to change? How can I improve? What weakness needs strengthening? So obviously those would be who really likes to be told what they're doing is wrong. You know, I guess earlier we learned in this podcast that that's a sign of humility is being open to, to, to chastisement or to things that we need to do better at. But it's not easy to hear those things. Um, so uh, that's a great, I think, a great questions to think about. And Elder Lawrence quotes President Harold B. Lee, which, and he said, every one of us, if we would reach perfection, must at one time 
ask ourselves this question, what lack I yet? And he goes on to say, this is Elder Lawrence again, the Holy Ghost really does give customized counsel. He is completely honest. He is a completely honest companion and will tell us things that no one else knows or has the courage to say. The Holy Ghost doesn't tell us to improve everything at once. If he did, we would become discouraged and give up. The Spirit works with us at our own speed, one step at a time, whereas the Lord has taught line upon line, precept upon precept. And blessed are those who hearken unto my, pre my precepts. For unto him that receiveth, I will give more. I like that that um, paragraph there. I know when I get into like, oh, I need to get better mode. It's like, I need to get better in these 50 ways right here, which is impossible, obviously, to just focus on all of that at one time because it just becomes too overwhelming. So I like the idea that he doesn't, we're not supposed to improve all at once, that it's one, that the spirit works with us at our own speed, one step at a time, line upon line, precept upon precept. Thank goodness, because it's just too much to focus on everything we need to improve on. Um, but Elder Lawrence quotes Elder Bednar, who says, most of us clearly understand that the atonement is for sinners. I'm not so sure, however, that we know and understand that the atonement is also for saints, for good men and women who are obedient, worthy, and, and conscientious, conscientious, and, you know what I'm saying, uh, you know what I'm trying to say there, maybe it's because it's late, that word's difficult, but, so it's the atonement is for people who are trying to become better, and I, I love that, I mean, all of us are sinners, none of us are perfect, but I think most of us are good men and women who want to be obedient and who are worthy and who are striving to become better. And I think it can be so easy to forget that that's also what the atonement is there for. And it's not just to, to, you know, help us to overcome our sins, but also to become better. So I thought that was such a great reminder and something I needed to hear. And I'm just so grateful that we have the atonement because if you know, if you think about the word atonement is to make us at one with God again and how do we become, the only way for us to become in God's presence is if we are like him. So that's what the atonement is there for, is to help us to become like him. And that's, you know, striving to become better each day. So I wanted to conclude this section with, with a challenge the Elder Lawrence gives us, gives, gives in the talk. And I think it's a, a great challenge that we could think about. And we can end this podcast on, so I just challenge each one of you to think about these things throughout this week and moving forward. But he says, I would like to suggest that each of you participate in a spiritual ex exercise sometime soon, perhaps even tonight while saying your prayers, humbly ask the Lord the following question. What is keeping me from progressing? In other words, what like I yet? Then wait quietly for a response. If you are sincere, the answer will soon become clear. It will be revelation intended, excuse me, intended just for you. And so that's my challenge as I end this podcast. And I really appreciate if you've gotten to this point, hopefully this hasn't been too long, but hopefully it's given you some things to think about. I'm going to try to do this tonight when I go to bed. And hopefully, maybe I should like set an alarm or something and to remind myself to do this at night. But I love that idea of just asking Heavenly Father, like, how can I improve? Because I think, like I mentioned earlier, it can be so overwhelming because I think that we are aware of, of our weaknesses. But kind of on this talk, in other parts of this talk, he talks, gives examples of other people who ask this question and they get really interesting responses like, um, don't complain or you need to clean up your room, which as I'm sitting in this messy, my arrest, messy room right now, I'm like, I need to do that. But it's just, we're living on suitcases and it's been very difficult to keep like order of life. But, um, and then another one I think was to like watch your language. So really specific themes towards these people. And it's, I'm, I'm interested. I, I have some ideas of things I can do better, but I'm interested to pray and ask this question and to see if there's anything else the Heavenly Father wants to tell me of things that I lack and how I can become better. So 
yeah, what a great set of chapters here. And again, I hope that you're using this podcast as more of like just adding on to your Come Follow Me study because obviously there's so much I did not cover in these verses and chapters. And there's so much that so many other great principles that we could take from it. But, you know, time permitting and I guess just the spirit guiding me as of certain things to share. I, I know that you can receive so many other things, but I hope that you, this has helped you to have some I, other ideas um, of some principles that you can learn from these chapters. So I'm grateful for you guys. I'm grateful for those who listen. I would love it if you share this with a friend, if you would, if you think that others might be interested in well, I think my goal, I just want to like spread goodness in life. I just want, I just want people to feel uplifted, even if it's just for like an hour while listening when life can be hard. And I just want people to know that, excuse me, that it's, you know, the gospel is what brings us happiness and it's the gospel that ultimately will help us to overcome all that's hard in this life. And, um, I'm just so grateful for the gospel. So I hope you guys have a great week. I hope that you feel the spirit. I hope that you're taught through the scriptures, through the spirit this week and that you're all staying healthy and safe. And I will see you next time.